what the hell's going on folks and welcome in to episode 12 of the Bustin' Bubbles Outdoors podcast. Uh, so in this here episode here we're going to be talking to Jeremiah Whelan out of Louisiana. Uh, he ain't no south of I-10 Cajun but that, that boy is damn sure a coon ass through and through. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, he's uh, I met him through Combat Waterfowl. Uh, I mean I guess we've known each other for several years now but uh He's actually the guy that got me on the pro staff with uh, BMI Outdoors or Outfit BMI Outfitters. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one running the media side for uh, BMI. So, before we get with that, uh, going to talk about the last couple of weekends hunting, uh, whatnot, how we've done this night. So. Hell, I ain't talked to y'all since, I guess, right after opener. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we've been on them pretty good here lately. I ain't even gonna lie. You know, we ain't shooting no mallard limits or nothing like that. Pretty well every time we go out, we're shooting a pretty good mixed bag. Um, the green wing teal are still here pretty thick, it seems. Uh, ringnecks, we tore into the ringnecks ash yesterday, something serious. Uh, we ended, between me and Matt, we ended with... Uh, 10 birds, uh, that's five a piece. Uh, both of us shot three ringnecks and two green wings. Um, we've been, like I said, we've been laying into them pretty good. Uh, shot my first pintail opening weekend. It was a hen pintail, don't matter. Uh, last weekend I shot my first drake pintail. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't there, he wasn't all the way there yet, but he was still real purdy. And, uh, I got that sprig in my truck now. Didn't didn't mount him or nothing. Also shot my first snow goose last weekend. We, uh, me and a guy named Richard, basically shared the bird because we shot at it at the same time. Well, when I cleaned the bird, I found steel shot and business because he's shooting. Uh, I'm not sure if he was shooting federal or boss, but either way, it was business. And um, I found both of them in the bird, but we shared it. Because I hadn't ever shot one before. Um, so that was really cool. And like I said, other times we've been out, we've shot mixed bags of mallards, gadwalls, wood ducks, um, grain wings, widgeons. Man, we, we've just been laying into them pretty well here. Um, we've been hunting a lot of the same marsh, to be honest with you. I've gone out a time or two in other places. There's a lake not far from where I live. Uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I got off at 2. Went down there. Didn't really have no expectations or expectations of what I might get into down there, what I might see, anything like that. I just know that I've seen birds in this cove in the summertime, so I went and hunted said cove for a couple of hours with another buddy of mine after work. And boy, oh boy, we didn't shoot no ducks but we saw probably 2,000 cormorants. I mean, the cormorants was in there thick. There was a couple of them I probably could have jumped up and grabbed, you know what I mean? They was that close, uh, just flying from one end of the lake to the other. And then that Friday, I hunted uh, one of the power plant lakes here. I didn't shoot any birds that day at the power plant. There was a couple in my decoys before shooting light, you know, working and whatnot. And then after shooting light, it was just dead. You could see divers going out, landing on the big water, pick up, uh, go get it, go hit other pieces of big water, and then come back. Um, and then I actually went to a place that I spent a lot of time at 
last season that same day, and it seemed like the birds there have just been getting that every living fuck beat out of them because they were all three miles high. They wasn't wanting to give no looks, nothing like that. Um, but, you know, it, it was what it was. We didn't shoot nothing, but that Sunday, I want to say it was, yeah, I think it was Sunday, we went out and, uh, well, hell, that would have been last week. Yeah, we went out and uh, we shot mallards, snow goose, um, green winged teal. That was pretty much it last weekend. The weekend beforehand, I had a good buddy of mine from uh, Georgia. Met him when I was living in Alabama. His name's Richard. Him and his old lady was up here hanging out with uh, me and my old lady. We went and did the, uh, you know, the touristy, a couple of the touristy things. They wanted to go to Union Station, and I don't really know what the hell else we did other than that. But we hunted just about every day. Um, there was one day we walked away empty-handed, which that's only happened to me like one other time this season. I wasn't very happy about that. Um, well, I guess there was two, yeah, one day. So one day we missed the birds by, fuck, I don't know, 200 yards to the north. Uh, they were they were just using the marsh, it seemed like, crossing back and forth. And there was another group that banged on them pretty good towards the south end of the marsh. We worked a good group of mallards that morning. Got them all the way down in the decoys. Uh, they spun on us a couple of times and took that hard, hard loop. And uh, two of them broke off. And as you know with mallards, if you listen to this, you probably know with mallards, uh, when one or two of them break off out of the group, the rest of the group's coming shortly behind. Uh, two of them broke off and landed. I shot the drake. He shot the hen. Uh, drake was on the water when I shot him. I busted his ass hard, son. I seen that shell pattern eat his ass up. And uh, as soon as I walked out to go get him, he picked up and flew off. I thought, well, what the hell, you know. Which it is what it is. That that, that happens sometimes. I probably put a should have put another shell into him uh, when he was laying there, but I, I just knew he was dead. Uh, apparently not. Um, and then he shot a Drake pintail that morning, and uh, it was probably, I don't know, 20 yards overhead. He shot it, busted his ass. It sailed on us, and uh, so I go out to get it, whatnot, and I walk down there to where it's at. It's probably... 60 70 yards away but i thought it was dead it looked pretty fucking dead to me and um it got out in that current in that open water and about every 10 seconds one of them wings would kick up and uh it'd just stay up for a minute and that bird just kept on going and i, I chased that thing probably 200 yards uh walked some circles in the grass trying to find it and i never found that bird but I don't really know what to say about that. We went out and hunted one of the power plant lakes his last day here. And uh, we finally got some birds to decoy. Uh, shot a couple of spoonies. It was my first spoonie, his first spoonie, his first, I guess, big duck. And uh, it was just a, a damn good time, you know. Um, they're real pretty birds. They decoyed just right on that north wind. And they were in our face. You know, I mean, right there. But he left, and there was another weekend I went out. Uh was shooting a lot of coots before this week, this past weekend. Matter of fact, um, yesterday when we were out, the marsh was pretty well, 
iced over. Like I said, we've pretty well been hunting this one marsh just because uh, we steadily have success there. We're not always walking away with limits, but we're walking away with two, three, four birds apiece, you know, which is which is a good day hunting. Um, so yesterday when we got out there, the marsh was iced over. No big deal. We'll go out there and we'll bust some ice. We'll shoot some birds. Not thinking nothing of it. We set up the A-frame. Uh, that was the first time I've done that this season. And um, it proved to be a success. We've been having trouble with it. It seems like the birds have been seeing us. We've been using natural cover. Uh, building little blinds out of trees or limbs or whatever the hell, you know, grass. And it seems like the birds are always seeing us. So we just thought we'd carry the A-frame out and it paid off. Like I said, we shot five ducks apiece, one shy of a limit. And... Um, Busted a hole in the ice. Man, I, I tell you, I think the key to shooting them ducks yesterday was a lot of motion, uh, a lot of water motion, you know, uh, lucky ducks or mojos, whatever, and then a lot of water motion. Um, them them divers seemed like they wanted to come straight up that channel and you call at them a little bit and they'd turn. They were making really wide turns yesterday uh, on the swings. I mean, they'd go, you'd watch them 50, 7,500 yards and then swing back and then come through and swing. They did that one time. And uh, another group that was set up back to our north and kind of east. Um, them birds went and took a swing and they were coming back. You could see that they were they were ready to come into the decoys that last time. And them birds got probably 100 yards away from them guys and them guys just unloaded on them. And uh, they just skirted the edge of our decoys, and I just threw out a shot, hoping for something like, please, God, let this hit. And uh, I dropped a hen ring neck. So, I mean, we still made it work out. We got fucked on that volley, but it is what it is. Uh, I guess just some people are assholes regardless, and no matter what you do out there. And I don't understand that, because that, that one day when my buddy Richard was in town, I had talked to a group that was out there that morning when we pulled up. Hey, you know, where are you hunting this and that? And normally in my mind, when you talk to somebody like that, you talk about where you're hunting, where we're hunting. In my mind, that's kind of saying, hey, you know, we'll be respectful of you. You be respectful of us. I won't shoot your swing birds. You don't shoot our swing birds, whatever. We wasn't hunting that far away from each other, but we were hunting different pools, right? So on this one marshland, there's a, a tree line that separates one pool and another. We're hunting the west side of the tree line. <clears throat> Excuse me, they're hunting the east side. Well, the, the conversation, in my mind, the way we had the conversation was, like I said, I won't shoot your swing birds, you don't shoot my swing birds. Um, the birds were kindly wanting to make a little bit wider swings that morning. Uh, we were kind of hidden in the timber had a hole out there in the in the marsh and uh the birds seemed to want in that hole but every time those birds would swing across that tree line that other group would just unload on them and i actually talked to another couple of guys that afternoon at the gas station when we left and um he asked if we were hunting with that group and i told him no i told him where we was hunting at and uh i actually didn't realize that they were shooting our swing birds every time until we started picking up decoys. So let me just backtrack. When I started picking up decoys, we had a couple of birds 
that swung through the marsh and they hit that tree line as soon as they hit that tree line it sounded like fucking iraq you know um and that's when i realized that they were shooting at our swing birds and it's they wasn't even working the birds whatever it was as soon as they broke that tree line they were shooting at them which it is absolutely unnecessary absolutely uncalled for you know be fucking respectful you know what i mean um but I talked to that guy at the gas station. He was like, yeah, I watched those guys shoot at birds miles high, it seemed. He's talking about 90, 100 yards high. He said they dropped two or three, but that's all that they shot, you know. And uh, one of those guys was actually hunting with an unplugged gun, which really pissed me off. Um, I guess there wasn't really nothing I could have done about that right then in that moment. I said nothing about it, whatever. But I'm all for, if somebody's doing something wrong, if somebody's fucking you, and they're doing the wrong thing, fuck it, call a game warden. I don't want to be that guy, and you know, snitches get stitches, whatever the fuck, y'all kiss my ass. Motherfucker, if you fuck me on a hunt, and you hunt with an unplugged gun, green jeans is getting that call, motherfucker, I don't care. Um, anyways, we should have shot birds that morning. All we ended up with that day was a coot, whatever, I don't care. I had to chase the coot like 200 yards before I could even get a shot at it. Um, still, shot the coot. You know, he's going to eat. I don't care. We had a good time. Um, we had a good time seeing old friends that weekend. And you know, it is what it is. We didn't we didn't go out and limit out on birds. Uh, we may not have had the best hunts, but we had a damn good time. And to me, that's what it's all about. You know, if, if we go out, and we shoot limits great wonderful i love shooting limits i love shooting ducks i love working ducks but if we go out and we don't shoot a bird and we just have a good time great that's that's what it's all about to me you know even even if i go out by myself whatever i'm not having the best day it's still a good day of hunting because you know i'm out there enjoying what we have enjoying my time enjoying my time to myself whatever so you know, it is what it is. Anyways, I'm going to stop this rant here. Uh, should be getting old Jeremiah on here in just one minute. Uh, as always, y'all be sure to check out BMIFirearms.com for all your outdoor needs. Anything you might want, need. I know they've got some mojos on there. They've got shotguns. They've got rifles. They've got ammunition. Anything you might need, they got it. Y'all use code BUBBLES5 when you check out at BMIFIREARMS.COM and you'll get you a nice discount. Also, y'all be sure to check out CombatWaterfowl.COM for all your swag, your shirts, your hats, your koozies, your stickers, everything, dude. Um, big Christmas drop. Dolph shirts, Dolph hoodies. Uh, I think there's even some Dolph hats. I could be mistaken on that. But y'all check them out at CombatWaterfowl.COM and y'all know the drill. Use code JSnyder at checkout. That'll get you a nice discount with them as well. Anyways, uh, you know, next time I talk to y'all, probably be next week, the week after something like that. I've been kind of slow on my on my podcast here lately. Had other shit going on. Uh, here's old Jeremiah. Hey, so you. with me now is the fucking. Cajun coon ass Kuyon himself, uh, not south the I-10 coon ass, but still a coon ass, old Jeremiah. How you doing, brother? 
Man, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on tonight. Hell yeah, dude. You get into them today? Man, we didn't do too bad. You know, closing out the first split here in North Louisiana, real slow. Got a major drought going on. Uh, fight for water. But uh, whereas there's water, there's ducks, man. Finished with a few gadwall in a, a single mallard. Seems to be about all we can get here right now. Looking forward to that second split opening up in a week and a half. Yeah, hell yeah. How long was y'all's first split? Uh, About three weeks. Oh, yeah, no shit. Yeah, it ain't know, bad. It ain't bad. I know in Alabama, our first split was always a week. It was, so it was, I think it was uh, Black Friday, and then that Saturday, and maybe that Sunday, and then, uh, or maybe it was just that Friday and Saturday, and then it was closed for a week, and then that next Saturday, it opened up and it went season long but i know here uh like the zone that i've been hunting most of my time this year was like october 28th i want to say and then it closes um new year's eve and then it opens again on january 20th i want to say something like that so it's a good kind of kind of a good halfway point or maybe a little over halfway in the middle of big duck to give these mallards some rest and stuff like that get the pressure off of them a little bit you know uh, but we ain't we ain't quite there yet. Hell, we ain't even seen seeing mallards in the numbers here yet. Not on my yeah. end, no ways. Yeah, it's it's the same thing here, man. Definitely, we can tell there's a halfway lack of migration uh, for us here in North Louisiana. The uh, same old story every year. Uh, really, uh, you get your early season blue wings, and then uh, for teal, you know that's kind of what we're known for is our blue wings and then uh, have a month off, and then we open up in November where we can shoot our wood ducks and our local wood ducks, gadwall, blue wings, and maybe an occasional green wing or two. And then as the month progresses, we start getting colder and start getting fronts, get some mallard stragglers. And, I mean, it rings true even for this year, even with the drought. Uh, so far, I've <laughs> we've killed two mallards. <laughs> it's <laughs> not major numbers by any means, but uh, hey, it it works. It's food, puts food on the table for everybody. Fun shoot, man. You can't beat it with the stick. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the way I see it, if it flies, it dies. I ain't no purist by any means. You know what I mean? But I know, I know what you're saying about drought and stuff. Because with uh. You know, our early teal season, we were in a pretty good drought this year, and it was one of those where there's water, there's going to be birds. And uh, we, there wasn't much water to be had to be able to hunt, you know, small water, the way them blue wings like it. But what water I did find, I found birds on, and we stayed on them pretty good the whole way through. And even switched it up the last day and still got into some, and even some green wings too, you know. But then you talk about, like, the lack of migration, and I feel like we've been seeing kind of the same thing, uh, you know, for the last month or so. We've been killing pintails and widgeons. Uh, we had one day where we shot a couple of gadwalls, mallards, but like for the most part, there's still green wings here, like in numbers. You know, every time we go out, we're shooting green wings pretty much. Somebody in our group is going to shoot a green wing that day. And last year, we, I mean, not last year, uh, yesterday, we shot four of them. I mean, so I think, I don't know what it is, but from my understanding, uh, the Dakotas are froze up now. So where the hell's the birds at? You know, are they holding in Nebraska? Have they not made it here? Have they bypassed us? You know, 
But what's man, the deal? Man, I I wish I could tell you. Uh, if I could tell you, I promise you we'd be shooting birds in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that there's a there's a TikTok and uh, forgive me, I don't know exact. I think it's called Migration Station. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, what, watching their reports, you know, uh, even they're seeing they're not their numbers ain't as big as they were. Uh, let's say you know earlier in November, uh, they're even their numbers are even down. Uh, so I man, I don't know. Uh, here in here in Louisiana, man, we really don't start seeing our numbers until January. Uh mid to late january you know we got two weeks of really good hunting down here uh for your bigger ducks your pintail your mallards and your widgeon uh but uh it's it's a struggle this year uh especially with the lack of water the lack of birds um a lot of people have done turn to whitetail hunting <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out man i'm again i'm looking forward to that second split Hoping that maybe we can uh, pull some bigger, some bigger swings right, of these yeah, big ducks. Absolutely, and I think I think as the winter goes on, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff from like the Almanac and different folks here and there talking about it's supposed to be a really cold winter. It's supposed to be real like a lot of snow in a bunch of places, and um, you know the. The bird hunting is supposed to be really good in the south. It's supposed to be great in the south, but everything that I've seen out of the south right now is just terrible. It's, you know, no water in Louisiana, no water in Arkansas. You know, folks fighting for holes in Arkansas, which I feel like that seems to happen every year, regardless of drought conditions or whatever. But I know, like, even here, um, there's places where you look at waterfowl reports and it says uh, this area is dry. And then, you know, three miles down the road, here's another area part of the same complex or whatever and will say uh area at full pool or something like that but i don't i don't really seem to understand what's going on with the with the bird numbers right now and i feel like a lot of stuff too has to do with this might be a separate tangent in itself but everything that i see about um migration reports and stuff like that is that since covid we haven't done like true waterfowl counts you know that they stopped doing it about during covid time and they haven't really picked back up doing it so where they say there's you know two million mallards sitting on this piece of water you know is that a true two million or is that a quick oh somebody flew by and seen a fuck ton of mallards and oh yeah that's a couple million birds you know (laughs) yeah man i wish i wish i knew how they did that uh I do know uh, one of our one of the gunners in uh, Northeast Arkansas uh, sent a video in the group chat. You know of them flying over doing a bird count. Man, mm-hmm. I I would love to partake in that one day and see how they do it. What kind of equation they're using? Do you know, or are they just, or is it just a big guesstimation? Like, how do they come up with? There is, you know. 2,000 mallards sitting on this WMA. There's 4,000 teal sitting on this national wildlife. Like, how do they, how do they come up with that number? How do they, how do they define it? You know? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's one of them things that's beyond me. Yeah, and, that's... Uh, how, how many folks are actually doing that, doing that flight and uh, how many people are actually, you know, 
in different areas are partaking in that because I know here there's a couple of areas that are good public land areas or that you would think would be good public land areas that they manage for ducks and stuff that even right now they don't have any water in them but then you call them and you ask hey are y'all flooding such and such this year oh no we don't have a uh we don't have a what do you call it a area biologist or a game warden or nothing like that this year so if you want any of that information, I can direct you to the game warden for the next county over. But, I fuck, I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? I'd, I'd like to know who's really who's really out there working and who's just kind of, fuck everybody, I'm just going to sit here. Yeah, look, it, it's kind of disheartening at times because uh, – you got these areas that, that generally hold ducks and they'll choose not to flood certain years, even if there's water, you know, and pull pull the boards out of the control structures and drain it off. And, uh, man, if I don't understand their science behind it, uh, Arkansas is going through a heck of a deal right now up there with them logging their WMAs out. Uh, it's, it, man, it's a shame, dude. I, Man, I didn't know that. I didn't know they was logging. I I knew that they were. Uh, they had closed a lot of the Green Tree Reservoirs or whatever for a couple of years due to uh, lack of growth or supposedly the water was killing the trees off or something like that. But I didn't know that they were doing any logging up there. Yeah, there's a there's a Facebook po- uh Facebook page I'm a part of, and a feller sent in some. Uh, pictures man they got these massive trees laid down dude it's it's a crying shame but but i mean just like everything else in this world it's all about politics it's all about the dollar man yeah whoever's got the most money can usually have some sway and have some say so over whatever even if they're not got nothing to do with no politics or nothing you know what i mean it's it's kind of a crying fucking shame to see yep i mean it's just it's the reality that we that we <laughs> that we're born into, man. We just gotta roll with it. Just gotta roll with it. Right, absolutely. Uh y'all's uh y'all's mallard numbers in Louisiana over the last couple of years have steadily declined, haven't they? Yeah, man, it's 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 not been good. <laughs> uh don't get me wrong, we still get mallards. Uh but just not like we used to back in the day. Uh I never did get to see the great duck hunting era of Louisiana. Uh, being only 23 years old, man, I was born after the heydays. Uh, but hearing these old these old heads, you know, talk about it, definitely on the decline of everything. Right. Typically, typically, you know, where you'd see flight flight mallards in groups, you know. 30 strong you see probably 40 groups in a day we saw maybe two groups of flight mallards today uh headed back north and they were only about six or seven ducks strong no shit yeah and and i i hesitate to call it this but it's almost like a reverse migration like what ducks would we do have they're going back north now uh because of this 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 heat that we're going through, we went from 
lows in the 30s and 40s to now lows up in the 50s. I mean, it's it's done got hot down here in the boot, man. <laughs> right. You know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of really good cold snaps, um, but I haven't seen anything like freeze until this, this weekend here. And, um, you know, driving back to town yesterday, we were hunting a good little way south. And the marshals froze over where we were at, right? Yep. But then the closer I got back, like coming north, everything opened up. You know, it was foggy as hell yesterday. Um, every group of birds that we shot at came out of the fog, basically, and zoomed past us. And then that's when we start calling at them, trying to turn them. Um, but, the like, I came up oh, probably about an hour, and I cut across east. And as soon as I got off the highway, it was it was foggy as shit. You couldn't see a quarter mile in front of you. And as soon as I got off the highway and started going east, the fog just didn't. And there was no no locked up water or nothing, nowhere. It was all all open. <clears throat> yeah, but <laughs> that's to say, it was, I think, 50-something degrees today. You know, and it's supposed to be that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got like acid reflux or something like that for the rest of the week. Um, I think next Sunday morning it's going to be 29 degrees. And I mean, the highs for this week are they're in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, th- this week we're looking like our average temperature is going to be from 40 to 70. So not 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 the great duck hunting weather we would like. But it definitely could be worse. I mean, we out here in till season hunting 90-degree, 100-degree weather days out there for them blue-winged till birds. Oh, fighting absolutely. Off, fighting off alligators, water moccasins, and whatever else <laughs> is out there, man. <laughs> it's insane. Well, last year, man, uh, went out to a WMA right by the house, uh, put the boat in about 5 in the morning, Set up for some blue wings. Didn't see a bird. Didn't cut a feather. Never took the gun off safe. Went to the truck. Dropped the shotguns off. Hopped back in the boat. It went and hung us up a 10 foot 6, 300 pound alligator man. Not less than 250 yards from where we were hunting. No shit. Yeah, man. I, man, live, living in this state's wild, man. You never know what you're going to run across. Boy, I, I remember seeing the pictures of that, that gator. That was a hoss, son. And I, I know what you're talking about all too well about uh, the the blue wings and the 90 degrees and the 100 degrees because there were several days that we went out where it would feel damn good in the morning. But as soon as you stepped off of that levee, your ass was covered up in fucking mosquitoes, son. And then by 7 o'clock, it's 85 degrees. But, I mean, you're still shooting birds, so why the hell are you going to leave, you know? Yeah, if if you want to know what it's like to duck hunt in Louisiana during till season, here's what you're going to do. Get you a towel at your laundry room, soak it in hot water, put it over your head, and go stand out in the sun with the towel <laughs> on your head trying to breathe through it. And tell me how it works out for you. It is not comfortable. <laughs> That's how it was in Alabama, dude. Uh, my last year down there, I hunted early till season. I think I hunted the opening weekend of it, and I didn't get a chance to after that because of work. Um, but that opening morning, 
we had set up where we seen a group of, I don't know, 30, 40 birds the day before. And we got out there at 3 o'clock in the morning fighting off fucking mosquitoes the size of a damn house cat. And uh, it was 90 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning. So I, I know how you feel. Uh, yeah. Man, it, it's, this weather down here make a fat boy want to move to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you damn I, right. I am not built for it, but hey, I've been here for a while. Might as well stick it out, right? I reckon if the money's right and everything else is right, fuck it. <laughs> yep, home is where you make it, man. That's right. Trying yes, to make sir. home wherever the birds is. Yeah, you you definitely pulled the good <laughs> part there going from Alabama to Kansas. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty wild up here, like I say. Just just this year alone, um, the mixed bags that we've been shooting all season and uh, green wings and wood ducks and mallards and gadwalls and pintails and widgeon and I've shot I've shot a pretty good bit of first this year. As far as as far as everything goes, talking about widgeons and pintails and ringnecks and uh, mergansers, snow geese, and hell, we ain't <laughs> halfway through the season yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I I know. Uh... Myself and the fellas over at BMI, man, we've been keeping an eye on you, dude. We can't be, we can't be more proud of you, Bubbles. Watching you, watching you grab that pintail up by his net or her net, <laughs> and you, you was not gonna let that thing go. That thing was deader than the door. Now you were not gonna let it go. And boy said I had a death grip on that whore. That boy had the white knuckles on that duck's neck, man. <laughs> No, it wasn't going nowhere. Uh, if, if it wasn't dead, you suffocated it to death. I promise <laughs> you that much. You damn right, dude. I I watched that bird come in from I don't know two hundred yards away. I watched a couple guys sky blast it, and it come in just low enough. I said, "Well, I got to poke at it," and I poked at it, and it fell. And I thought, "Holy shit!" And I went and grabbed it quick. Yeah, when you get a when you get a bird down like that, it makes walking through that water real easy. Make a make a man feel like he's Jesus walking across the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm big old boy, but let some birds get on that water, I'm gonna be moving. <laughs> Damn right, dude. We, I shot one uh, last weekend. That that freaking Drake pintail. I shot. He fell. I won't never forget. I've never seen a bird fall the way that he fell. So. Uh, you know, most of them, when you kill them, they just kind of slump and fall over. That boy looked like he hit the dang, uh, the jump man, old Michael Jordan, wings spread wide, dang feet dangling down. I said, oh, he's going to hit that water and he's going to be gone. And I got over there quick. Yeah. yeah, we have a real bad problem down here with birds diving and biting. Oh yep, yep. I've seen yep. that. I think I think that might be what uh what that pintail did. My buddy shot a couple of weeks ago because I chased that some bitch fucking two hundred yards and I walked a circle about two hundred yards as well and never found it. But last year, matter of fact, I was hunting with a guy and he shot a mallard and I have never seen a duck so resilient in my life, dude. He shoots it, it hits the water, I go to get it. Fifteen yards. I put two shells in that duck, and he starts swimming towards this tall grass. And the grass ain't no bigger than 
eight by eight, you know what I mean? Like that patch of grass, just eight foot long by eight foot wide, something like that. And uh, he's right by the patch of grass. I'm 10 yards away from him. Put another shell in him. He swims off in that grass, and I never found him. And I think that's what he did was took a dive. Yeah, we, man, we got so much cypress knees and underwater obstructions uh, that when we go on a duck hunt, man, you if, if that duck is not dead all the way, you better put another shell in it or be going to get it. Because we have a real bad problem, they'll dive down and latch onto a branch, mm-hmm. or that. And, and uh, we've—I can't tell you how many birds we lose like that. Uh, but I'm telling you one thing: since I switched to this Migra Timber Plus Three Six Steel Business Blend, man, it knocks them deader than a doornail. I'll, I'll tell you something. I've, I've seen a lot of them go down, and they'll they'll grab shit, or they'll they'll wedge themselves into somewhere. I I can't get on the migra train though, dude. Uh, I bought a box of it last year, and uh, I ran it through my twelve gauge, and didn't but one shell out of an entire box fire. Um, and I know you know the primer was striking, uh, the firing pin was striking because you could see it on the primer and it ain't like it was light primer striking or nothing like that because every other shell that I fed through that gun that day I went boss that day I put federal through it and I put that migra through it migra was the only one that would not shoot and uh, that just that just turned me off because when I go from paying twenty dollars for a box of you know federal speed shock number two to what twenty six, twenty eight dollars for? Uh, yeah, it's it's right around the thirty dollar mark now for yeah. for a box. You know, I, I shoot, I start shooting stuff like that, and then uh, won't none of them shoot. That just turns me off. You know, just big yeah. time. Yeah, and and you know, we kind of touched on this earlier in the week when uh, we were on a phone call, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm not promoting buying expensive expensive shotgun shells uh i know personally shooting a more expensive shotgun shell makes me think about my shots a whole lot more because uh, i know every time i pull that trigger you know a dollar and some changes going out and if i'm out here you know trying to treetop a duck or trying to reach out there and poke them you know i know i know i'm wasting a dollar you know doing those dumb shots so that that's kind of helped me personally uh, but I mean, I guess that that boils down to trigger discipline and uh, sportsmanship, you know, really. Right, absolutely, yeah. Shooting the more expensive shells do make you think twice about, you know, uh, do I really want to take this shot? But I really, I think what it boils down to, because even even I'm guilty of it sometimes. I just get so damn excited, you know, that there's a bird flying at 60 and I ain't shot nothing in a while or whatever. We ain't had a good flight that morning. That bird flying at 60, I'm going to try to poke his ass out just because, you know, there's a bird. I'm excited. I got to, which yeah. try not to do that. Every time I go hunting, try not to do that with every bird, you know, cause my goal of the hunt is to work every bird down to where them, them feet are in the water. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I know it don't always work out that way. Sometimes you got to shoot them on the swing or you got to shoot them on the pass, whatever. But 
the the more expensive shells definitely do make you second guess your shot. Be a little more patient, you know. Yeah, and I mean that that's a that's a whole topic within itself, uh, especially on this public land hunting man. Uh, I personally feel like if seven out of ten hunters would be more patient it'd be better for everybody involved on the WMA. That would eliminate, you know, these treetop and that would eliminate, you know, uh, people having a poke out there, people shooting. Um, it's so, it's so compact where, where I'm at. Everybody's together, you know, we're all within five miles from each other. Everybody's duck hunting this area. Um, it's just so tight. People taking dumb shots kind of ruins it for everybody, you know. Well, I think, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, th- I think a lot of it's got to do with just what people see on the Internet, too, you know, because that's, that's got to be such a big thing these days is, you know, you see this guy on the Internet doing this or that guy doing that or whatever. And, you know, these guys with these GoPros online, a GoPro looks further than the stuff really is, right? Like, I was looking at some of the stuff I recorded yesterday, and, uh, excuse me, there's a couple of shots at 20 yards that look like they're a mile away, you know? So, I think think a lot of guys see that stuff online, and they're like, oh, well, he's shooting at birds 80 yards away. I can shoot at birds 80 yards away. But then also, I think folks just, they don't have any respect for anybody else. That's, that's, That's a big conversation that needs to be had is, these folks do not have respect for the other hunter. You know, it should be everybody, everybody together. You know, everybody should be for each other. You know, I want you to shoot birds the same way that I want to shoot birds. But if, if you can't respect me, you know, and let me work my birds and stuff, then what's the point, you know? What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. I mean, they don't call duck season the season of hate for no reason. You know, I'm mean, right. I mean, duck. If if you're gonna be a duck duck hunter, man, especially in I know the Mississippi Flyway, that's all I can speak for because that's where I where I do the majority of my hunting. Mm-hmm. You got to have some thick skin on you, man. Absolutely. Yeah you you can't you can't you can't bow down, but you can't be over the top either. Uh, seems like a lot of these duck hunters are alpha, alpha males. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I agree. Respect is something that that needs to be reintroduced to duck hunting on on all levels, on all hey, levels. Hey, hold on one second. All right, so so talking about respecting others and stuff, I, I talked about this on my intro into this episode. I did a little bit little intro uh, talking about the last couple of hunts I've been on and stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a buddy in town from uh, Georgia. And we were out there hunting, and when we pulled up at the WMA, uh, there was another guy, another group there. It was four guys in a truck. And I walked up to him, hey, how you doing this morning, this night? Uh, being cordial, being nice. And uh, I said, where y'all hunting? Well, they were going to hunt the east side of this tree line, and we were going to hunt the west side, okay? <laughs> now, in my mind, having a conversation like that, it's like, hey, man, you be respectful of me. I'll be respectful of you. I won't shoot your swing birds. You don't shoot my swing birds, right? Absolutely. So, so all morning, 
anytime those birds would take a wide swing, as soon as they would hit that tree line, it sounded like fucking Iraq over there. Just the lack of respect these folks have is astonishing. And, you know, alpha male or not, whatever the fuck you want to say, you know, it costs zero dollars to be respectful. You know, it costs zero dollars to be a decent human being. But yet these guys want to go out there and they want to sky blast everything and they want to, they want to fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. Um, and at the end of the day, that ain't doing nothing but hurting everybody because not only are you not shooting the birds that you're sky blasting at, I'm not shooting the birds you're sky blasting at. The guy across the marsh ain't shooting the birds you're sky blasting at, right? But also, that's educating the shit out of these birds because anytime these birds see a, see a decoy spread, they see birds sitting on the water, no matter how much water movement it may be, no matter how, how realistic your spread might look, they see that down there, they're going to automatically be wary because, oh, last time I seen that, I got shot at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it, it's, it's bad down here. People getting their, their trucks keyed, getting... Tires slashed, valve stems taken out. Uh, I mean, it it's rough out here, and uh, I I prefer to use the buddy system because you never know when something's gonna get out of hand, and I personally don't want to be alone as you know by myself as something gets out of hand down here. Uh, but the buddy system really and truly needs to be used by all waterfowl hunters, in my opinion. It, it absolutely should. Uh, because there's so much on the water that can go wrong and that has gone wrong for other folks before. Whether that be, you know, you fall in, it's 15 degrees, all of a sudden you got hypothermia. Well, you know, once you get hypothermia, you start getting confused and shit. You don't know where you're at. You don't know who you are, whatever. You know, you're dead. Or, you know, somebody comes up on you, want to be Billy Badass. Well, there's two of you and one of him, or if he pulls a fucking gun and starts shooting, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, and I mean, the, the, these are things that have happened uh, to other people. Uh, four years ago, roughly, uh, I don't remember exactly what year it is, probably the year of COVID, 20, you know, 2020, 2019, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in college, and uh, I got approached by a guy that wanted to go duck hunting, you know. I'm all about introducing people to the sport. Uh, Absolutely. But, but we're going to do things the right way. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not going to teach you the right way so that when you teach somebody else, you know, the traditions, the right way gets passed on. Regardless, uh, man, super hot day, 80 degrees. We're out here trying to taste, uh, chase some teal birds. Well, he had, he had overdressed for the situation, had insulation in his waders, had a neck gator on, jacket, and I, you know, I kind of talked to him. I was like, hey, man, you know, you're going to be pretty hot. You know, I would probably, you know, try to take that off, especially while we're walking in. We got about a 300-yard walk through this. Uh, it's a it's an agriculture field that they don't plant. It just got natural vegetation in it. Mm-hmm. So it's a semi-soft bottom, uh, but you got vegetation, you know, leg workout, about knee-deep, waist-deep, somewhere in there. Yep. So we're dragging in a kayak with a rope on the front with all of our gear, guns, cookware, decoys, all that. And he's walking beside the kayak. 
and he starts getting hot and starts getting worn down, which is nothing new for a new, you know, a new duck hunter wanting to get into the sport. Right. So I was like, buddy, you just sit on the kayak. I'll pull you through. You know, we ain't got much longer. We ain't but about 100 yards from our spot. So, you know, I'm out here trudging along, got my headlamp on, sweating it out. And all of a sudden, this kayak gets a whole lot lighter. And I really didn't think much about it. Walked a few more feet. And I, I looked back and just, you know, something wasn't sitting right with me. And uh, when I looked back, man, he had passed out. He had fell off the kayak and landed face first in the water. Jesus. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I go into panic mode. I start running over there as fast as I can, you know, and waiters to him. And, uh, man, kind of, <laughs> it looked real bad, man. I, I had him in between my legs. I was standing over the top of him, holding him by his, his, uh, shoulder straps, you know, just trying to keep his head out the water, man. He was convulsing, uh, got him over where he could breathe, you know, his face wasn't in the water anymore, and all I could do was yell for help, uh, and thank God, you know, uh, some hunters came over, and, uh, one of them so happened to be a firefighter, and, uh, we got him, dumped all this crap out the kayak, got him in the kayak, you know, firefighter checked him out, you know, said he was good, probably, you know, he was good to hunt, but he wouldn't suggest it, uh, dude was soaked, soaked to the bone, you know, with water, but, uh, long story short, man, that, that scared me to death, uh, because something so simple as walking into a spot can kill you, if, uh, you know, God forbid I wasn't there, you know, that probably would have been a different story for him, and so, uh, I'm all for using the buddy system, that's to the point now where if I don't have somebody going with me, I'm probably not going. Well, I, I tell you like this, uh, my, my old lady don't like me going by myself, but not having somebody with me ain't going to stop me from going, but I, I know my limits as well as I think everybody needs to, should know their self well enough to know what you can and can't handle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if you start walking somewhere like where you're from or several of the places that I hunted in Alabama and it's fucking 90 degrees outside and you're in knee-deep mud, and you're having to, like, dig your boots out of the mud every step, and you've got 300 yards to go through that, probably wouldn't recommend that. But if you know yourself well enough to do it, then by all means, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and matter of fact, uh, this past week, one of my buddies here sent me a, a message. He said, hey, man, did you see about this? Well, I, I opened it, and it was a news article from one of the uh, – management areas we hunt sometimes here and it was basically about a game warden having to go out last weekend and save a guy who had hypothermia you know Mm. i don't i don't know what led to this guy catching hypothermia you know it did you fall in and say oh fuck it i'll be all right or did you have a leak in your waders or you know what was it because i know i know like myself a lot of times um, there's times where I've gotten wet, you know, and there's even been times where I fell in. Uh, one time, matter of fact, in Mississippi, it was 30 degrees, which it, that's not blistering ass cold, but it's still cold enough, you know. Yeah, it's um, still cold enough to put you in the hospital. Right. Yeah, I, I tripped over a cypress knee one morning, and it was fucking cold. I said, fuck it, I'm hunting, you know. But that's, I guess that's, 
really just a thing of you got to know yourself. You got to know your limitations. When things start getting too much, you got to know when to take a step back and say, all right, I really need to look at the situation and, and I either need to do something to help myself out of this or like I need to go to the house. Yeah. And I, and I think another uh, real beneficial, you know, thing to add to this whole thing is uh, those who have people who don't hunt or they're not going, man, don't be afraid to, to say, hey, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going to park my truck. If you don't hear from me by this time, come come after me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ha- have that plan on paper or on a text message. Have that pen dropped to somebody that will come looking for you, man. Uh, always, always have somebody who knows where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. And every every time I go, um, so I didn't do it this weekend because I, I haven't quite figured it out yet with the new update on the iPhone. Um, but every time I go out hunting, it don't matter if I'm going by myself, if I'm going with a buddy or two buddies or whatever, um, I'll tell my old lady ahead of time, hey, you know, I'm going here in the morning, you know, you know the deal. Well, in the morning when I pull up, I'll drop her a pen. Hey, this is where I'm parked at. You know, and then once I get out to wherever I'm hunting, unless I just don't have service, I'll say, hey, this is where I'm hunting at. Drop a pen right there. You know, that way if something were to happen to me between the truck and the hole or if something were to happen to me at the hole, there's your starting point of where to look for me. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that cuts down. Uh, that cuts down on so much. I know, personally speaking, our refuge here, 30 minutes from the house, is about, I think it's 40,000 acres. Mm-hmm. So that that will take a long time, you know, for people to go through and look. But uh, dropping that pin, like you said, at the truck, that gives you a real good chance of somebody finding you if something was to go sideways. Right. And, and you know, even if even if – you're going, I know a lot of times as hunters, outdoorsmen, we go places where you're not going to have any service. You're not going to have the best service. Okay. So before you get to where you know you're not going to have service, I'll text my old lady. Like there was a place that I used to hunt in Northeast Alabama, three hours from the house. Um, you know, you pull up to this boat ramp way the fuck back in the woods and then you put your boat in the water and you don't have service, like period, Right. I would text her before I turned onto the dirt road. Look, here's the pin of the boat ramp. Here's the pin of where I'm going to be hunting. If I'm not hunting here for whatever reason, I'm going to be hunting here. You know? Yeah. That's that should be a thing that's a no brainer. Everybody has a smartphone these days. Um, everybody. I was going to say some folks don't. Nearly everybody has a smartphone. I've met one person in the last five, ten years that don't have a smartphone. You know what I mean? And it's not shit to get on there and click a thing, boom. Here's where they're at right here. Yeah, and and, and I mean, there's no excuse not to not to do it either. I mean, it literally takes all of 30 seconds max uh, to potentially save your life and save your buddy's life. Uh, right. It's, it's, there's no reason not to do it. No, not it's, it's almost dumb not to, you know. And even yeah. even if it's not if it's not your old lady, whatever, even if it's one of your buddies, you know, your your buddy wasn't able to make it out today, whatever, 
you know, text him, hey, bud, uh, I still went out today. Um, here's a pen of where I'm parking. Here's a pen of where I'm at. If you don't hear from me by this time, come find me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I, I agree with you because I'm not going to name drop any areas or nothing. But there's several places that I've hunted here that you'll just say the general name of where you're going. And that's that's pretty well how I always have been. I'll just generally say the name of where I'm going. Like if I'm talking to her or whatever, hey, I'm going to X place in the morning. Well, within X place, there's several different locations. There's thousands of acres. You know, there's numerous places you could be. You know, folks wouldn't find you for a day, two days, just because of how long it would take to get through all that. I mean, God forbid you go out there and die. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like, just worst-case scenario, you go out there and die, well, all of a sudden your body's cold. Well, they might be flying over and stuff and looking through night vision or thermal or whatever the hell they do. Well, if your body gets cold, you're dead. There ain't going to be no thermals coming off of you. Yeah, I mean, that man, part of life is people dying, man. When it's your time, it's your time. Just having that game plan, that 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 rescue plan back at home just saves everybody a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, a lot of time. And maybe they can get to you and help you out, you know. Right, absolutely. Yep. Bro, so uh... – Tell me, tell us a little bit about BMI and your involvement in B- BMI. Uh, so uh, BMI stands for Black Mountain Industries. We're an outfitter, uh, man. I'm calling us the Miniature Bass Pro Shop because we got a little bit of everything, and if we don't have it, man, we'll get it for you. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. I I am I am currently their uh, pro staff manager, so I'm in charge of uh getting people like yourself and some other some other great folks on board with our company and getting the word out about us man uh bmi was really started at out as a necessity uh with the rising cost of everything you know uh gallon of milk you know gas eggs cost of living is going up so is so is firearms and man a lot of people a lot of people are dependent on these firearms and ammunition to put food on their table now, especially as things are going higher. So BMI strives to provide great quality products at the lowest price point we can get them. And, I mean, we're talking about razor margins out here, not hardly making any money on this, but this this is what we want to do. That is our goal is to provide the, the best products for the cheapest price. Absolutely, yeah. I know. Uh, I know that that discount that we got with y'all is pretty good, and uh, I know the shipping, dude. The shipping is freaking amazing. I, like I said, uh, I ordered a box of shells from a twenty gauge a couple of weeks ago. At oh hell, I don't remember what it was. I think it was thirty dollars for a box of shells, but still, I ordered it Sunday night, and uh, by Tuesday they were on my door, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't get much better than good quality customer service, good quality products, you know, being brought to you at, at discounted prices. Yeah. And, and when, when we're saying good quality products, we're not talking about the great value brand here. We're talking about 
like Remington, Sig Sawyer, Mossberg, uh, Mojo. Yeah, Mojo. I mean, we we got top of the line brands at discounted prices, man. I mean, you can't beat it. If you're shopping in a, if you're shopping on Amazon or these big box stores, man, you're really missing on an opportunity to save a lot of money. Right, and and also, you know, even with going Amazon or Shields or whoever the hell you might go when there's like a sale or something. Um, now, don't get me wrong; I'm all for shopping some of these sales at some places like Rogers, dude. I just got a pair of waiters from them for sixty nine dollars, but. You know, like some of these folks with their sales and stuff, you can go another route where like Amazon might say, oh, 20 something percent markdown or something. Well, you can go other routes and you can find things cheaper. And and why wouldn't you do that? Instead of supporting somebody like Jeff Bezos, just lining his pocket with your hard earned dollars, why wouldn't you support small business? Yeah, man, uh we're definitely falling into the small business line. <laughs> you know, we just a bunch of like-minded individuals who got tired of paying these outrageous prices for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, as you can attest to being a duck hunter, man, it, it takes some money to play, you know, and things are not cheap from decoys to shotguns to calls to shot shells, man. It's, it's not cheap. And that's why, that's why we created BMI. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, nothing's cheap, it seems. Um, I've got, I mean, you can get some things for fairly cheap, but a lot of times, you know, you get what you pay for. And when you can go somewhere like BMI and you can get Mojo's, okay, well, instead of going to Mojo's website directly and spending, you know, a hundred bucks, why wouldn't you go to, somewhere like BMI where you can get it for let's just say even if it's just 90 bucks you know yeah that that ten dollars is you can put it towards gas or put it towards your shotgun shells any any sort of money saving that you can do in 2023 2024 is nothing but a blessing man I mean that the dollar is being stretched thinner and thinner every day Absolutely. Inflation is a real thing, let me tell you. And that's something that I think we've all learned. Some of us have had to, had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inflation is not a conspiracy. <laughs> no, hell no. Let me tell you, we was at the grocery store a couple months ago. And uh, this is the fucking most outrageous that I've ever seen this stuff. And you call me a liar if you want to, but uh milk was like eight dollars a gallon and eggs were four or five dollars a dozen something like that it was outrageous i said holy shit what's going on yeah god bless it makes you want to start a farm don't it you know i'm right <laughs> shit but with that with them prices you know you are too hell yeah you'd be a millionaire in a few days <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i know i know we sure we sure appreciate uh bmi the things bmi's doing and uh appreciate man any kind of any kind of break we can get anywhere you know i know guys like you and me and the other guys over at bmi you know not everybody wants to spend a thousand dollars on a pair of waiters or you know 
$400 on a case of shells, which that's still outrageous to me that some folks are paying that, which like, like I said, I know a lot of times you get what you pay for, you know, and I've shot some high shells, but not everybody wants to pay that. Not everybody can pay that. So it's, it's a good thing to see a small business come along and really try to break those prices, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we, we offer low prices on everything, uh, but we, we do have some of these higher end, higher quality products as well. You know, uh, we can go as fancy as you want, or we can go as basic and as simple as you want, man. Uh, on our website, there's a little contact to us, man. All you got to do is uh, drop your question in there and we'll get back with you uh, typically within the day, you know, trying to help you out in any way we can. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and, and like you say, if we ain't got it, we can get it. I yeah. mean, yeah. What you yeah, want? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, man, we're the, I, I'm calling us, uh, the, the mini bass pro man, we, we got everything. We, we can do it all. But, uh, man, BMI dude is, uh, BMI is just a good group of people, man, becoming like family, you know, uh, similar to combat waterfowl. I ain't met, I ain't met some of these folks, but man, I can pick up the phone, call them, have a conversation with them, you know, that they are a family. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of how it is with, uh, with a lot of the guys in the combat waterfowl, you know, um, some of my best friends I've met through combat waterfowl. And, you know, we may not talk every day, may not talk every month even, but I know as soon as I pick that call, that phone up, hey, man, what's up? You know, it's just going to be just like old times, you know, like we've known each other our whole lives. And some of these guys I haven't met either, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's it's just crazy how folks can come together, you know, from everywhere, Absolutely. from fucking Washington State all the way to Florida to Kansas to you everywhere. Canada, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're international. It's an international fraternity of, of of brothers, man, and and sisters, man. Uh, big shout out to my boys in uh, Northeast Arkansas, Colsa and Big Drew, man. They put me on every year, and uh, without fail. I mean, you can't you can't beat them Arkansas boys at all, man. They got a hard goal. Uh, Colsa just had a big youth hunt this weekend where he volunteered his time, his boat, his materials to take a bunch of youth out and put them on birds, man. And that just makes me, that makes me smile, you know, thinking about, you know, combat waterfowl and Colson and then being a part of that, man. It's. Yeah, that, man. That, that's, that's what it's about. Bringing the next generation into it as well. Did, did they smash them? Uh, I believe, uh, I'd have to refer back to my text. I think they got a few, uh, a few swing ducks. They, uh, I believe they were off to the X by, I think he said like 15, 20 yards. I think they were landing probably on the outside of the decoys and it just wasn't right. But, uh, right. I believe, I believe they did kill some birds. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's, I mean, you know, all things considered, that's, that's how things work out sometimes is it, it don't take much to miss those birds completely 15, 20 yards. You know, all of a sudden they're coming in, they're landing in the butt crush, and 
all of a sudden they're 300 yards away from you swimming through the book brush. Well, yeah, and I'm all about taking uh, kids out, you know, introducing them to the sport and adults, you know, likewise. But uh, also, you know, that kind of sets realistic expectations for what the sport is. Uh, Absolutely. Not every day are you going to go out and be on the X. You may be off, you know, 30, 40 yards, but, I mean, that's just the – that's the <laughs> that's that's duck hunting for you. It's not duck killing, it's duck hunting. Right. You what, know, you want to – we always like to see more people coming into the sport, doing the things that we love to do, sharing the time outdoors that we do, you know. And uh, even even something that I'm hearing more and more of is every year it seems um, waterfowl stamp sales are 10% lower this year than they were last year. You know, that's just a random ass number, but so on and so forth. You know, if the, the waterfowl numbers, hunter numbers are dropping, you know, then who's doing the work for the conservation, you know, because at the end of the day, without duck hunters, there wouldn't be no ducks. You know, without without duck hunters, older guys, you know, we may not be able to enjoy it the way we do. We may not even know what duck hunting was without older generations, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, there's definitely traditions and values and morals that have been passed down from these older generations and i mean sadly some of them are disappearing mm-hmm. uh, and we just got to fight fight to bring them back man i can't tell you how many times i've seen people you know throw beer cans out on wmas and stuff they're they're not respecting they're not respecting it goes back you know to our earlier talk about respect but it's they're not respecting our land they're not respecting the conservation aspect of it uh it's just we gotta we gotta do better as hunters. Just right. that's all there is to it. You know, the way I see it, everybody, damn near everybody these days is pulling in a jet sled or you're driving a boat into somewhere, something like that. Why are you throwing your trash out? Pick your fucking trash up, pick up after yourself. Um there's a couple of a couple of management areas here that after the season I'm gonna get out and do some cleanup before it gets too hot and too snaky. Because uh, there's one place where here recently I was walking, and I fucking tripped on a tire, okay? And there's <laughs> another place, you. there's another place 15 miles down the road from there. You can walk up, and uh, there's fucking boat batteries laying there. Now, now first of all, why there's boat batteries 80 yards in the woods off of the road, I have no idea. There's just two boat batteries sitting there. You know, shells laying all around, beer cans. It it amazes me that folks are, oh, well, let's just throw our fucking trash wherever we want to. Let's just leave our batteries laying wherever we want to. Oh, fuck it. There's a lake right there. Let's throw some tires in it. Why? Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think that it takes more effort to be lazy than it does to do the right thing. Because mm-hmm. somebody had to somebody had to take those batteries out of a truck or out of the boat, walk them 80 yards into the woods and throw them away. Right. Even, rather than rather than go into like an auto zone and, hey, man, uh, I got an old battery I need to give you all, you know. It, right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, man. It, it takes way more effort to do the wrong thing than it does the right. 
even if you were using those batteries for something like I don't know a trolling motor or something to something to keep a hole open with when the when it iced over do the right thing and don't be a piece of shit and take your batteries out with you yeah may it suck carrying those batteries out yeah it might suck but it had to suck just as bad carrying them in absolutely i mean god damn (laughs) i don't know about you but i'm not leaving a fucking boat battery laying in the middle of the woods somewhere no, they cost too much, and uh, I need to get it back where it came from. Hey, we're about to... <laughs> um, yeah, talking about boat batteries, you know, being expensive and whatnot, dude. I know for a fact they're expensive. Uh, it seems like every year I'm buying a freaking battery for this boat. So when my grandfather passed away, you know, not this past summer, but the summer before, his boat was passed down to me. And I don't know what it was, but even before he passed, every year um, we were having to buy batteries every year without fail. And um, when I got it up here that first year, I had to buy a battery. One battery was good. One battery was bad. All right. No big deal. Um, This summer, I actually had to get one battery warranted and buy another battery. So I know all too well about how freaking expensive those boat batteries are. So I, why you would leave one laying in the woods somewhere in a hole where I know damn well you ain't got no boat at baffles me. <laughs> Man, it, it the, there ain't no telling, bro. Humans are weird. Humans are nasty. There, <laughs> there, it, there ain't no telling you. There's no possible way you could ever figure that out. No, hell no. You know, as far as I know, they might have had some kind of damn meth lab out there or something trying to shoot ducks and cook meth at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, you make a joke, man, but I've I've seen it on the news. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, there's some dumb son of bitches out there, ain't it? Yeah, man. I I don't <laughs> I try not to go outside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Hey, so uh Skip back to duck hunting, bro. Uh, what about uh, what was the first duck you ever shot? Do you remember? Yeah, man. Uh, my first duck I ever shot was a wood duck drake, and uh, it was one of them resilient ducks. Man, half a box of shells later, and that duck was finally dead. Uh, he he did not give up the fight at all. How old was you? Uh, I think I was about thirteen years old, somewhere in there. And okay. From there on, man, it got it it got serious. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, it gets western real quick once you pick it up, don't it? <laughs> oh yeah, once you once you get that little that little that little hype, you know, that little adrenaline rush from shooting that first duck. Oh man, oh, yeah. it's on. You don't care a darn about deer hunting no more. Nah, so I grew up deer hunting and uh, always wanted a duck hunt. I don't know what it was. I never ever seen anybody duck hunt before <clears throat> excuse me this was before this was before duck dynasty this was before you were seeing duck hunting shows on tv on the internet and everything all the time something in me man just wanted to chase ducks i don't know what the hell it was uh but my dad was always oh we're not we're not shooting ducks that shit's fucking stupid we ain't fucking doing it well uh 
I I started in 2018, and uh, it just it just took off like wildfire. You know what I mean? It's like cocaine, but without the cane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's duck hunting. Man, it, it's my way of life. It seems to be about the only thing I can talk about now. But I mean, I I, I can't I can't let it go. Yeah, I, there's a little running joke between uh, me and my old lady that I tell her, you know, all I really care about is shooting ducks and banging sluts. But uh, <laughs> she don't really like that last part too much, but it rhymes. So that's that's really it's about the same here. All, all I really care to talk about with folks is ducks. You know, even if folks don't give a fuck about ducks, that's all I really want to talk about. That's all that's ever really on my mind. Yeah, just and, sit uh, there just sit there and listen. I'm just going to ramble for the next hour, but you just nod your head yes every once in a while, and I'll be all right. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. I'll be uh, with my partner at work, and uh, we'll be we'll start talking about something, and then all of a sudden I'm talking about ducks, and then it's like three hours later. He's like, uh, dude, you hadn't shut the fuck up in like an hour and a half. I'm like, oh, damn, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's just one of the things, man. It's how it's how it is. It's like it it takes over, and once it takes over, it's got you. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely addiction. Uh, I never thought I'd be addicted to anything in my life, but here I am, waking up at you know two o'clock in the morning to go stand in waist deep water with some plastic ducks and a, <laughs> and, and a piece of plastic that come with you know kind of sounds like a duck if you blow it right. I mean. I don't I don't know who invented this man, but uh I bet they were they were they were out there when they <laughs> You know I'm right. That's kinda kinda the same thing. I didn't ever think I'd be addicted to anything, but here I am dipping snuff and shooting ducks every chance I can, you know. <laughs> hey man. That that man that your wife may like that what that's saying a whole lot better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, I had to hit her with that one when I get out of here. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so you from uh west monroe right oh yeah man uh if you don't know where that's at uh home of duck dynasty man yeah what was it like growing up around all that oh man uh you know you see it on the tv and then you, you leave your house go to the grocery store and you got cy robertson in there buying something or you run into miss k or willie robertson and Man, uh, around here they're just they're ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've had the opportunity to talk to them on a personal level. Uh, I've played poker with Uncle Sai. Uh, it's just they're down they're real down to earth people. They catch a lot of slack from the waterfowl community uh, for some stuff that they really have no control over, in my opinion. Uh, but man, they're they're really good people. They they catch a bad rap for some stuff, but all in all, man, you can't you can't beat them, dude. They're they're great. Right, you know it seems like any time that somebody's doing some fuck shit in the duck woods, um, all you hear some of these older guys or seasoned guys, whatever you want to call them, is all this some duck dynasty hunters. That's that duck dynasty generation. And man, I I I guess you could say. If you if you want to go out on a limb here, he say folks, mine your age are Duck Dynasty generation hunters because you know we were we were in them prime years when uh, 
what they call them, formative years when uh, Duck Dynasty was really out. But that didn't, I don't think that swayed me any into wanting to chase ducks, you know, because we, we talked about this last night. You know, Duck Dynasty was on TV, but it wasn't, it wasn't a show so much about shooting ducks. They wasn't out there hunting on the, on the, on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, and that's, I think what a lot of people get it fucked up is all that's in, that's in Duck Dynasty guys, you know, and I I don't agree with that. Now I do think that does some of the younger, younger crowd do, do some fuck shit and, not really do things the right way, yeah. But should you put that on those guys, you know, the Duck Dynasty guys? No. And yeah. Well, well, my thinking is, is I don't see anybody out here blaming Bobby Guy. You know. Hmm. You know, I don't see anybody out here blaming Bobby Guy for for introducing a bunch of young unethical. You know, some some unethical hunters, not all of them, but some. You know, how how can you solely put the blame on one group of guys just because they had a TV show? You know right. what I'm saying? Uh, and what cracks me up, man, the most is all these people talking about, we're getting pushed out of our WMAs because these Duck Dynasty folks, you know, these Duck Dynasty kids are out here hunting. Dude, I hate to break it to y'all. I'm from, <laughs> I hunt and live in the same town of these folks. You want to talk about seeing an array of license plates in a parking lot? Come come to West Monroe. Go to a WMA. I ain't going to name drop it. There's already enough people there. It don't take much research to figure it out. Come look at the license plates in the parking lot. Bro, I, I can... I, I know from experience how that shit goes. And it, it ain't just like an array of folks here. You know what I mean? I, I've seen a few different tags at WMAs here. But the most that I see out of state is uh, Missouri. There's a couple of WMAs that you can go any day of the week, you know, Monday through Sunday from 2 in the morning until fucking 7 at night, and all you'll see is Missouri tags. You won't never see one Kansas tag. It's always Missouri. Yeah. It was that Everybody, you know st- – Everybody wants everybody to stay in their own state, and at the end of the day, that'll never happen. No. But uh, the, the complaining is not going to help anything. No, hell no. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big, big component of if you see somebody doing something wrong, talk to them about it, which in my intro to this episode, um, I guess I'm about to, what's that called, uh, I don't even know the word I'm trying to think of right now, but it don't matter. So in my intro to this episode, I said, uh, if you're doing something that's fucked up and you fuck my hunt, I'm going to call green jeans because a couple of weeks ago I was hunting and these guys were shooting my swing birds. Anytime that they would break the treetops, like cross the tree line, these guys were shooting at them, right? Yeah. Well, uh, one of those guys was shooting with an unplugged gun. Now that's that's one of the things that you know. All right, you, you done fucked me. I'm calling green jeans. You know, like I, I know snitches get stitches and all that good stuff. But like I said, you know, you done fucked me enough. I'm gonna try to fuck you. 
is we I try to I try to I'm not doing anything wrong. I just try to keep the game wardens away. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. 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 Uh but uh inevitably if you know if I have if I have something serious like that going on, I, I will I will get the game wardens involved. We we purposely got peppered a few years ago and it was a it was a whole big deal. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's it's insane seeing all these people out here, man. And I, I keep circling back to it, but I guess it's that important. It's it all boils down to respect, sportsmanship and conservation. And ethics, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's just that's one of them things that folks need to learn to respect each other. Uh you know, Doctor Duck says it. I don't remember his exact words, but it's it should be everybody for each other in the duck woods. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if we're racing to a hole or whatever, you know, that's one thing. But, like, I want to see you kill ducks. You want to see me kill ducks. I want to see the guy across the marsh from us kill ducks. Right? Yeah, we're all a team at the end right, of the Right, right. And that's how it should be, as, as opposed to, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Well, I'm going to pepper you. No, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But anyways, oh, well, you reckon you got anything else to add? I guess we've been on here now long enough. It's going to be an hour and a half. Yeah, man, before we go, I, I want to read this little Bible verse, if you don't mind, man. Just Yeah, man, go ahead. It says here, in the world you will have many tribulations, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, y'all guys out there that are all listening, man, don't don't be all stressed out, man. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. And that's it, man. Hell yeah. If it's meant to be, it's going to be. If it will, it will. And if it won't, it won't. Amen, brother. God's got us. Damn right. Yeah, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Man, the work you're doing out here for BMI for Combat Waterfowl, man, it's not going unnoticed, dog. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on tonight and having this conversation with me. Uh, you know, if I don't talk to you before next weekend, when you start your next hitch? Man, we start our next hitch uh, week of Christmas. <laughs> Uh, we'll hitch out on Tuesday, and we'll be gone until the end of January. Okay, so you, you pretty well got off until then? Uh, no, working four days a week. <laughs> I got you. Well, working them four tens, going to try to squeeze in a few hunts, but we're oh, split Oh, hell out. yeah. We're split it out right now, so we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah, let me, uh, if I don't talk to you before then, and Merry Christmas, dude, and, uh, I hope y'all kill them in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you ever want to come to Kansas, my door is always open. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas to you, man. Same goes for you. All right, bud. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good night. All right. You too, brother. All right. Bye. All right, folks. That was Jeremiah Whelan down there out of West Monroe, Louisiana with BMI Outfitters and Combat Waterfowl. If, uh, if y'all don't mind, man, I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast at.
um, leave me a rating, review, whatever the hell you call that stuff. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that stuff. Um, and also, y'all be sure to go to BMIFirearms.com and also go to CombatWaterfowl.com. At BMI Firearms, use code BUBBLES5 for a good little discount. And at CombatWaterfowl.com, use code JSnyder for a discount. I appreciate y'all listening to this. Uh, y'all give me some feedback. And y'all tune in next time. Appreciate it.